That is the most underappreciated thing about purpose. Sure. Is that purpose is your primary decision-making tool. The more you make it about yourself, the more unfulfilled you're gonna be at the end of the day. There is no real selfless act, but you can be selfish to be selfless. And in that moment, he connected the mundane, the real work of what I had to get done to the On today's episode, we have a dynamic couple that's making waves in the world of motivation and leadership. Gabrielle, a two-time TEDx sensation, is reshaping workplaces for Fortune 50 companies and government agencies all over. Brian, a purpose-driven guru, has transformed leaders from Walmart to the U.S. Air Force. Their clients hold a track record of remarkable results, from million-dollar businesses to Nobel Prize wins. They believe in the power of purpose and fulfillment. Join us today as we explore their incredible journey into motivation, leadership, and making a real impact through purpose. Please welcome to the show, Brian and Gab Boche. Welcome to the show, Brian and Gab. What's up, man? What's Thanks up? for having us. Thanks for coming all the way from Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's exciting. So this is my first time getting to interview two people, so I'm, I'm genuinely excited and I also am a client of yours, which is also fun. We yeah. met through the fun old ads that you run. Yeah, that's true. We did. It was yeah, definitely we the will. Ads. We will find you. You will find me. But you guys, your your purpose and pun intended is so great because you help people find their purpose. Yeah, yeah. And it's the foundation of everything. And so for me, it was just when I saw you speaking, Brian. You, I honestly was like, what you were saying. I was like, I need to reach out to him. Yeah. And then we had that instant connection, and then. Yep. I realized you also had a, you were a power couple mm-hmm. and there was a second element and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to work with Gab too. And yep. so yeah. I get to work with them every week and I get to now interview them on the show and we get to dive into the purpose company. All in a purpose. So take me back to, cause it's rare to A, to have a couple that work together. Mm. Sure. Um, normally the purpose of each member professionally is not aligned. Yeah. Sure. Different interests, different hobbies. You guys are dating, get married. Yep. And then you decide we're going to launch this company together and both of you saw the world in the end the same. Hmm. How did how did that happen? How did that all come to be? It's yeah. interesting. Both of us, when we got married, were essentially entrepreneurs. You know, the first thing I ever taught was an e-course on like self-publishing. Gabrielle was already speaking professionally. And then like two years, two and a half years into our marriage, we're like, all right, we have so many things that are very, very similar. And we also have this proprietary purpose discovery methodology. Why don't we go build this thing together? We'll take the speaking talent. We'll take the e-learning talent. We'll take the digital marketing talent. And we'll put it all into one thing and build this company. And I think it is rare, right? Mm -hmm. I think at a minimum, if you're in a relationship or a business partnership, you've got to be the like primary number one cheerleader of the other person. Uh, But we saw so much overlap that we decided we had shared vision, shared values, and substantially similar purpose. And that was really the origin of why we started working together. Yeah, I think even just from the moment that we were moving in together, it was like post-honeymoon, we're moving in. Brian had just started his company. I was working on like my fourth book, and I'm driving the U-Haul with a trailer behind it. He's doing sales calls. I was and, doing sales calls in the cabin. And, and he's like, it's just really driving. windy outside right <laughs> now. And it, and we were, were moving in and it was one of those moments where I looked at him and he looked at me and we're like, like, this is us. Like, mm-hmm. this is us. Like, we're, we're, we're hustling, yeah. we're building, we're covering for each other, peop- for, for each other. So I, I think remember that was you really actually cool were, you were taking furniture out of the U-Haul, the light yeah. stuff, while I was finishing a sales call. That's when and he's it was like, like, I have nine, a keeper. For it sure. was 9 p.m. at night. We moved into that apartment at yeah. like 9 p.m. at night while I finished up the sales call. The light stuff? Or was she moving the dresser while you were oh, on yeah, the sales she started call? To, yeah. She started to do the couch. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I like, Her personality, I feel off. like she's moving the dresser. <laughs> You're yeah. handling the pillows. Yeah. Yeah. yeah pillows. I'm definitely. Yeah, pillow. I'm, yeah, I get sure. it. Well, I mean, so that's, it's cool because when you also think about partnerships, traditionally it's, you have to be different mm-hmm. because you don't want to be redundant partners. Sure. And you guys both come at the business since I have a better understanding of it being a client different from different elements. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely on more of the mastermind, the e-learning, the digital marketing, the funnels, right? public speaking, mm-hmm. identifying your core message, your core theme. How did you guys do that for yourselves? Because I could see that that to me is where it would be like finding your own purpose for your company and taking your own company through what you guys now do for others. Yeah. But as the principles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it was interesting because 
in the first year of our working together, you're starting to learn like where you're going to experience conflict and tension. The, the way we kind of tested working together, she was already speaking. So I just decided, let's just double your speaking business in the first year. Let's kind of test a working relationship. And I, I, I believe I came in like a bull in the china shop. Like I, we doubled the business, but we didn't really define any roles and responsibilities. And so one of the healthiest things we did for our working relationship and our relationship was create ownership over the different responsibilities in the business and respect that because she has much more of an execution bias than I do. And I have much more of a vision and strategy bias than she does. And when we kind of notice that and we let each other own that and encourage each other in those two gift areas, that's when our business relationship like really blossomed mm -hmm. was when we got into those two lanes. Yeah. And, and, and you, that's exactly right. That moment for us. And we said, Hey, what is it that you are naturally really gifted at? What do you bring to the table? And some things like every single business, sometimes you just have to like take out the trash. Right. Yeah. No matter what, you're still doing stuff. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially right now where I see a lot of young entrepreneurs, is they're, they're entitled entrepreneurs where they come in and they say, well, I have the idea. I have the opportunity. I don't want to mm -hmm. do the hard work. I don't want to make the sales calls. I don't want to follow up. Or when someone doesn't show up for work, I don't want to be the one behind the cash register. But I think Brian and I both kind of knew ultimately here there's ideal working and then there's real working. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that's that's an ebb and flow because every time you go to that new level, you have to kind of jump into what's the real work? Like, I just got to get the stuff done. And then you want to kind of elevate higher, you know, replicate yourself and move on. And so I think that was what it was for Brian and I is we really had to find out what is it that we really enjoy doing the ideal, but what do we just need to get done right now and yeah. hand it off to somebody else? So there are some very real conversations and a lot of people stop us and they're like, how are you guys still married? I mean, it's been what, like eight years, <laughs> eight years. Um, of, of I running think, businesses. I, years, I know like both that. of us are horrible when it comes yeah. to our anniversary. Seven, People have eight. to call us. You to could tell me us. it's been seven, Brian. I've known you for six months. It's been seven. And I'd be like, oh, it's probably, it's about <laughs> yeah. right. sounds right. Yeah. yeah. But, but I think when people look at us and say, how is it that you're able to do it? It's that right there is you, you find your lane and you celebrate the other person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that's what we come back to. It's like, what is it that you're really good at? Celebrate them, support them in that. I think that's just good relationship advice. The too. gratitude that you're talking about was was critical because entrepreneurship is glamorized, but it's actually very hard. And um, when you're like in the trenches together building something, and then in the beginning when there's no real team members to help you and you're sitting in every single position, uh, tension's very easy to get into. Um, so I think one of the hallmarks of our relationship is we did prioritize gratitude specific gratitude like when working on a project i can't believe you pulled that off with this specific talent mm -hmm. like being yeah. like citing in on you did this thing with this specific gift you have and acknowledging that in each other has served to kind of boost each other up and boost our relationship and boost our business too because business can get very transactional very quickly uh because what is the purpose of a business you know, well, it's got a couple of things, right? We got to serve people, transform lives, but it has to make a profit. And when you get too much into that profit transactional side, you stop being grateful. Mm -hmm. And um, I see, we see companies make this mistake all the time that they confuse compensation with gratitude, but compensation is only contractual. That's right. Gratitude is a totally separate thing. And it's one of the primary delivery vehicles of putting fulfillment into somebody's life. Well, and I want to go back to something you said there, because you said entrepreneurship is glamour. Glamour, glamified. Glam, glamorized? Glamorized. Glamorized. Word. Word? glamorized. glamorized is that a word? Glamorized. We're going glamified. with it. Yeah, we're going it's, with it's it. It's Jeff's new company. Glam I like glamified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, glamified. <laughs> it's an eyelash company. <laughs> but it is very hard. Yeah. And I look at entrepreneurship like, in a lot of ways, like raising a kid, which is the sleepless nights, the nonstop, the yeah. barrage of, of challenges and trials and tribulations. And you're creating this thing that you don't have complete control over, but you're yeah. responsible for. And the world will judge you based on mm -hmm. if sure. that thing doesn't do its job in society <laughs> yeah. as a company yeah. or as a kid. Yeah. And we send out holiday cards and people see the highlight reels of that and think, yeah. oh, your kid is so amazing and yeah. it must be yeah. perfect. And you never sl have sleepless <laughs> nights. It's true with business and entrepreneurship, yeah. right? And I see a lot of entrepreneurs struggle because they come in thinking it's, to your point, it's this glorious yeah. thing. It's going to be easy. I, mean, I can hire the people to mm -hmm. do all the things I don't want to do because I'm the idea guy or girl. Right. With what money? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, of course. With what money? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Right. Um, but it changes when you have clear identity on the why you're doing it. Mm -hmm. I can wake up at three in the morning exhausted and go help my kid because the why is I love my kid. Sure. The business, if you don't treat it the same, mm. that's where we fall off. And what I loved about and and 
you know, I got asked internally too, when I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to work with you guys. And my companies are at a level of success where you would think I already have that figured out or to the yeah. unknown, but you have to always continue to hone that and re-identify your new purpose because do you guys, and this was a long-winded way to ask you a question of, is it fair or is it right for purpose to consistently be evolving mm -hmm. as you kind of climb that mountain? Mm -hmm. So if my purpose today is blank and I get pretty closer to that and I'm now living in that purpose, yeah. mm -hmm. isn't it true that my purpose might evolve into something else and I need to continue to go back and re-identify it? Mm -hmm. The difference is in the application and who it serves. Because purpose is the best of what you have to help others. The best of your skills, the best of your wisdom, the best of your perspective that you took from your story. That's, that's the operating definition of purpose for us. But where it changes is who you give it to, right? How you give it. What's the delivery vehicle? So the way that we, because this is a question that is asked often about purpose. Does purpose change? I think the better question is, you know, what are we using our purpose for? Because if you place me working in, I don't know, a McDonald's, I could still determine what's the best that I have to offer here and give my best to my team members, to the leadership, to the customers that are walking up to the counter. So it's really in its application and who it serves that changes and evolves over time. Okay. So in that same vanity, would it make sense then that if you don't have clear identity of your purpose, you'll fulfill one of the cups thinking that is your purpose, get to the end and realize, hey, I'm, I'm not fulfilled. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Right? Because for me, it was originally money. Yeah. When I was broke and I wanted to be, a, I wanted to be rich. Yeah. Since I was a little kid, yep. I was like, I want to be yep. rich. Yeah. Yep. And I accumulated some money. Yeah. And I wasn't any happier. Yeah. I just had more money, but was still the same me, the same feelings, the yep. same feeling like I wasn't accomplishing what I wanted to. And then it was... That's where I mean, like, it, so I evolved it to, okay, well, what's my next mm. mission? Yeah. And maybe I'm misappropriately attributing mission and purpose mm. the same. Sure. Because the way you identify purpose, and I'm going to butcher it, so I'm going to let you say it again. What was the definition? The best of, of what you have to help others. The best of what I have to help others is yeah. not how I've ever thought about purpose. It's like carrying around you. a toolkit. You know, this is my purpose. It's in this, <clears throat> it, this is my purpose. It's in this toolkit. That's, that's how I want you to think about it. So every role that you step into, I can open this thing up and I can serve people with this stuff in the toolkit. Um, purpose is a decision-making tool as well. That is the most underappreciated thing about purpose sure. is that purpose is your primary decision-making tool. Now, how do most people make decisions in their life? Out of fear. Is that most true? Most people make decisions according to fear. So for example, let's say your childhood developmental years were dominated by some kind of rejection theme, whether with your parents or maybe you were bullied or something like that, usually as an adult, your primary fear will be rejection. So that means also that your primary decision-making tool is about reducing the risk of rejection in your life. So when an opportunity comes up, new relationship comes into your life, you may actually avoid it out of your fear of rejection, but that relationship or opportunity may have been very good for you. Most people make decisions according to fear or essentially avoiding the thing they fear the most. I did not know that. Mm. But now I have to think about my life and all my choices. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're welcome. We're, Thank we're, you. We're you're getting welcome. deep. Thank you. and, and I think also to put it a different way, a lot of people make decisions are either running to something or running away from something. Yep. And so we see this with a lot of our corporate clients because a big reason people bring us in is they're like, hey, help our people find their purpose so that they stop quitting, so that they show up at work, so that they love what they're doing. So that way yeah. they, um, they're a good representation of us in, in, in the world. And so when you look at most people are making decisions, they're either running from a bad job, from a bad relationship, from, um, from maybe in your circumstance feeling like you didn't make enough money or feeling having kind of that, that, um, that lack mindset to something else. And so once you start to identify in your own life, what is the thing that I'm, am I, if you're in the middle of making a decision, is it, mm. am I running from something or am I running to something? Yeah. The healthier is to run to something. That means that there's a destination in front of you. And so um, that's the the stronger version. And so for us, what we want to help people do is find out what's their purpose and how do you run to a platform that helps you use that purpose? Because very much to, to Brian's point, your purpose is like this toolkit that you take with you because it's mm -hmm. the best of what you have to help others. It's basically how you solve problems for other people. Yep. For such a long time, and this is kind of why Brian and I got into it and wrote, their, our, wrote our book, The Purpose Factors, because so many people made purpose about you. Mm -hmm. what you like to do, what you're passionate about, what gets you going. And doing work on this for almost 10 years at this point, we realized 
people, the more you make it about yourself, the more unfulfilled you're going to be at the end of the day. Because yeah. you can keep filling that cup up and it keeps falling out the bottom. The more we teach it that way, the more we starve people of real fulfillment. Because we receive fulfillment three ways. Somebody thanks us for what we did for them. We get to observe their transformation, meaning I served them. They didn't thank me, but I got to watch their life change because of how I helped them. And then there's personal results like money and leveling up in your career. We also get fulfillment that way, but we're not showing people how to experience. I mean, here's, here's the thing. Purpose, fulfillment, and motivation are related like this. Purpose is the best of what you have to help others. Fulfillment's the result of helping others with the best of what you have. But then there's this question about motivation. What is motivation? How do we be more motivated? Well, the primary driver of your motivation for the long term is going to be fulfillment. Not just money, mm. but the gratitude you get from people that you help, the observation of their, the changes that they experience in their life because of how you help them. Fulfillment is what feeds motivation over the long term. And why is that important? Because motivation is ultimately about asking the question or answering the question, is what I'm doing worth it? Mm -hmm. It's the fuel in the car. Right. But if it's not worth it, I'm not going to be motivated. And why is that important? Because anything that you want to achieve in your life is going to involve sacrifice. Well, you're not going to sacrifice for something that you've either consciously or subconsciously determined is not worth it. So purpose helps us determine the direction because we're answering an alignment question. This opportunity, this relationship, this business, it's aligned with the best of what I have to help other, help other people. And the motivation is about answering the question, it's worth it. I know that it's worth it when I get the feedback loop of fulfillment. Lives are changing. Organizations are changing. Transformation is happening. Therefore, this pursuit is worth it. Hey there, it's your host, Jeff Fenster, and I have something very exciting to share with you today. You know, here on The Jeff Fenster Show, we're all about growth, both personally and professionally. Speaking of growth, have you ever heard of Everbull? As the proud founder of Everbull, I can tell you firsthand that we're on a mission to help everyone unevolve, to live actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. Imagine stepping back into a world where everything you eat is fresh, nourishing, and packed with nutrients. At Everbull, we've got you covered with our wide range of superfood bowls. But it's not just about the food. It's about a community of like-minded individuals who are determined to embrace a vibrant, fulfilling lifestyle. Join us on this journey as we redefine what it means to be healthy and active. So if you're ready to unevolve and be the best version of yourself, head over to everbowl.com and check out our menu. Hey, everybody. Looking for great insights? Entrepreneur.com's podcast network is the place for you. Check out podcasts like Problem Solvers and Smart Passive Income for smart advice. Hear true stories on how success happens, financial updates on dirty money, deep dives with Behind the Review, and food trends on restaurant influencers. And don't miss my new show. It's all at entrepreneur.com forward slash listen. Let's start our success journey today. Oh, that was so good. That was good. We should have. I hope that was recorded because that, that was recorded. good. Yeah, please. That looks like we're on. Yeah, yeah. good. Because I'm going to watch that again. I'm like, tell the people again. But I think when Brian kind of came to me, and I think he had this light bulb moment, because oftentimes we'll go out into our offices or we go on retreats together sometimes to the same hotel and stay in different rooms and then like mastermind and then come back together, um, which is another funny thing trying to tell your friends. Yeah, we're going on vacation separately but together. They're like, is everything okay? We're like, no, it's actually the best part is like you go and you think and brainstorm and reflect and pray and come back. And so Brian had come back from one of those those experiences and said, yeah, I'm really starting to focus on what is motivation because a lot of people talk about why, which is amazing and really helpful. But what's interesting is we started to do some research on why. And what happens in your brain is when you ask them, someone why, there there's a, a trigger response where they get defensive. Mm. When it's like, okay, Jeff, well, why did you wear that shirt today? Well, now you're like, because I, li I like it. Do you not like it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Does it not look good? It, yeah, ex exactly. You're like, I, I, I thought it looked good. So when you're asking people why, and this is really important from a leadership perspective, or even for yourself, like, why am I doing something? It can actually have a negative response where you can actually trigger something that gets defensive versus is what I'm doing worth it is very different. So you waking up at three o'clock in the morning to help your kids, totally worth it, right? Because that's a part of your identity. That's part of your core values. And you're like, this is how I use my purposes in serving them. I think that's just the big question why a yeah. lot of people, entrepreneurs, business leaders, parents, I mean, you name it, why they don't push through hard stuff is they're not asking that question every day when they're waking up. Is what I'm doing worth it? And the the worth it question, it's also kind of answered in our, in, on our celebrating small wins. 
Because when you start a business, you know, it's like a sapling. Mm-hmm. And then when it grows, if you're persistent, if you're consistent, if you put in the work, do the sacrifice, turns into like a California redwood, since we're here in California. Appreciate okay. it. <laughs> it. takes an act of God, lightning strike, forest fire to take down a California redwood. It's very, very hard. An average summer in California. Yeah, yeah an average summer. Yeah, so not in Texas. Thursday. We just get to- <laughs> we just get tornadoes in Texas and ice storms. Yeah, and and random ice storms that shut down our state for an entire week. But in the beginning, it's a sapling. How easy is it to destroy the sapling? Tear the leaves off. You can crush it in your hand. Pull it out of the ground because it has no root system. Stomp it under your boot. Whatever. So in the beginning, the fulfillment feedback loop is very subtle, and we have to learn to celebrate those small wins. You know, maybe it's getting that first client. Let's say you're a speaker for the first time and you're going to get paid to speak for the first time. And maybe it's only a couple hundred bucks and you see other speakers making five, 10, 15 grand or more to speak and you're getting like 200 bucks. But because of that comparison, Theodore Roosevelt, comparison is a thief of joy. We're like, oh, it's not that big a deal. We just crushed the sapling. We just tore it out of the ground, mm-hmm. tore it up, threw it aside. And maybe we never spoke again because we forgot to celebrate the small win of holy crap, I got paid to speak for the first time. This is amazing. I should keep going. And we forget to feed that back into ourselves and celebrate those small wins because we keep looking at everybody else's kind of fake, overproduced, filtered big wins on social media. And so it makes ours feel insignificant. Yeah, I I, I love that that's where you're going because I'm such a believer in micro goals and win stacking and Kaizen. Mm -hmm. I built my life on that in every element. And you articulate it much more elegantly. Um, And I like that analogy of the sapling because it really is true. As we are going through, when we attach either a time constraint, I have to be here tomorrow. I need to be the number one. I need to speak at the number one event, you know, a Tony Robbins event by next Thursday. Yeah. Well, maybe I'd get there if I didn't put that date on there. Sure. In your speaking example. Or I I just want to get on stage and meet and impact three people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I do that? Yeah. Maybe next time it's four people. And as that number grows, I'm assuming the money will come. Yeah, sure. Right? We don't chase money. Yeah. Money will will attract it. Fulfillment has a pull effect on finances, but finances doesn't have a pull effect on fulfillment. Yeah, and a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck going on the wrong side of that teeter-totter. Yep. Mm -hmm. I was guilty of that early in my career, and it took mentorship and learning. Mm -hmm. But as we're going through that process, as we're identifying our purpose— I still, the only part that I'm still not 100% clear on just on my own journey on it and what we're working towards and how you guys see it is purpose defined how you're defining it is to serve others. Mm -hmm. But as an organization Mm -hmm. and the people that are all working inside that organization, can serving others be the company itself? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Can the reason me doing sales for ADP when I worked for them? Yep. I mean, Am I serving others by making ADP more money? Mm-hmm. No, but I'm serving ADP. I'm serving my coworkers. Mm-hmm. And the clients of ADP. And the clients of yeah. ADP. Yeah. That's that's the, um, you know, we've helped a lot of those kind of big four accounting firm types. And they kind of, the managing partners will take you through the offices and pass like the associate cube farms. Yeah, those still exist, right? <laughs> Shared workspace. <laughs> it's an open floor plan. No, it's just really loud. Um, but <laughs> you, you kind of walk through these offices and the mistake that like partners make, because partners right at firms like that are cl- client facing. So they go out, they close the deals, they get to see the impact of their work with those clients. And the mistake they always make is they never bring that impact back to share mm-hmm. yeah. to the associates who are cranking out spreadsheets, presentations, reports that the partner is relying on to be successful in the client facing meeting. And they're not making that purposeful connection. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it's essentially saying, to yourself as a leader, what's the best that this person has to offer in the role they're in? And when I come back from something they helped me prepare for, am I giving them gratitude? And am I focusing that gratitude on the best of what they have? That's the goal. Mm -hmm. Specific gratitude returned back to the team members. So we call it the water cycle principle mm-hmm. when we teach this to companies. And we kind of, we developed it. We wrote a whole book actually called Keep Them Longer about how you can help your people stay longer and love it using their purpose. And uh, what's kind of funny is we wrote it before COVID yeah. and we, we like worked really hard on this book. We're like, this is amazing. We released it out and everyone's like, 
well, oh, 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 we don't want to talk about how our people are quitting. Like you are, you've been telling me for years, your people are quitting. Like, we don't want to talk about it. Then COVID happened, then post. Now everyone's like, help us retain their employees. We're like, now you want it. But in this book, we, we developed this concept called the water cycle principle, which is essentially what Brian's saying, which is value passes throughout the company. And most people, entrepreneurs especially, don't think about it this way. They think Mm -hmm. I'm the value because I'm the ideas person. I'm the value because I'm the face. I'm the value because I'm the the one creating the stuff. I'm the brand. But they don't realize that value can pass through just like appreciation, just like finances through the company. And just like old school, if y'all remember what it was, seventh or eighth grade bioscience, where we actually learned the water cycle principle that all the water that's ever existed is on the planet right now. And it just passes through condensation and rain and all the other stuff that y'all get here in Southern California, (laughs) not snow. We get that in Mm -hmm. Texas. But it keeps passing through. And if you look at value in a company in that same way, is that value is constantly moving. We also should always talk about going downstream. Who are the people that you're impacting downstream? So working at something like ADP or, you know, pick pick a giant company, I can go in and I can, when there are clients, say like, okay, yeah. talk to me about why you're fulfilled. Well, they can then say, well, I did this and this is the client that I helped. Or here's the other person on the team that I helped make their life easier. And, and I learned that principle really early on in one of my first jobs out of college was I had like typical job in an office. They created an office for me. I thought I was like, had really made it, mm-hmm. right? I was like, I got an office, right? This is like 2000, I don't know, wasn't eight, it a, wasn't 2009. It, wasn't it a cleaning closet? <laughs> well, yeah, you kind of, yeah. I, thanks it was for pointing office. that out. It was with, an office. Windows were being installed. <laughs> smelled Soon. Like, smelled like bleach. No, they, like. my coworkers felt so bad for me, or maybe they were just hazing me. Now I look at it, um, <laughs> that they actually put a poster up with like, you know, like those like uh, Hawaiian posters that look like a window. It was like out to the beach, but yes, it was a cleaning closet. The old thank school you for, 90s motivation thank you, posters. Thank you for, yeah, yeah hang in there. So I, I remember walking into this office and yes, it was a cleaning closet. And and I remember my boss just stopping by my office and, and I was, it was not what I thought I wanted to do. I was cold calling, mm. which for a millennial is like purgatory. I was like, what did I do wrong? I, like, I did everything you said and here I am doing cold calling. And I remember him just stopping by and saying, thanks so much for serving your clients because you help all of us serve our clients. And in that moment, he connected the mundane, the real work of what I had to get done to the ideal work of what we were doing as a company. Mm-hmm. And it takes a second. I mean, I know appreciation is a really big part of who you are and how it is that you work. And, and so most companies, most leaders don't take the five second moments yeah. to reconnect to the, the individual's purpose of how it is that they can actually help people with what they're doing every day. Because, I mean, as a leader, whatever you send out is coming back to you. Because if you view it as a cycle, I mean, most leaders view their organizations kind of like pyramids, classic management, you know, leader on top, and then this entire management organization, but it really is more like a cycle. So an owner adds value to leaders, leaders add value to team members, team members add value to customers, customers add value back to the owner. So whatever you're sending out will eventually come back to you, whether that's good or bad. And for me, it's like, I always think if I look at things like a cycle, am I being a negative sign or a plus sign? Am I adding value to the person that works with me or am I taking value Mm. away from them? Because if I only take work from them to contribute to my company's efforts and I never give back to them gratitude, I might be making money, but potentially only for the short term because I'm not building the long term through my gratitude. And ultimately that leader or that team member will grow tired and they'll stop serving customers in a transformative way. And ultimately the enterprise starts to shrink over time because I thought compensation was enough. But compensation sure. by itself is just actually a negative. I'm just taking from my team members, not giving to them. It's fascinating because everything you guys are clearly, you already are so clear on. And for everyone listening, where you are in your journey, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to understand the value of this. You could be mm-hmm. a department head. Mm-hmm. You could be a manager. You could be an entry-level position because as you grow and navigate, these lessons are how you will elevate inside of your organization. Because mm-hmm. I, I talk a lot about entrepreneurship, but I don't think you have to start a company to be an entrepreneur. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the way you approach your job. Yeah. And if you're entrepreneurially minded, then you are doing the things that you need to be doing. And not everyone should start their own company and be that front person. Yeah. Not everyone should not start their own company and be mm-hmm. that front person. Like it is a, it's like a baseball team. Yeah. What mm-hmm. position do you play? Someone's yeah. a starting pitcher, but we still need to catch our first base, second base. And to your point of fulfillment and mm-hmm. gratitude and mm-hmm. thinking about it, 
properly, the best teams is when you all work towards the same common goal. I struggle or have struggled with understanding that whole cycle you're talking about mm. at times. As a leader, as someone who has always been client-facing, has always been on the forefront, mm -hmm. you lose track of that at some points. Mm -hmm. And like all things, in all relationships, there's times where, you know, in, in my book, it's about deposits and withdrawals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you make too many withdrawals and you realize, oh my God, I'm about to go broke here. Yeah. I need to, I need to stop spending. Yeah. I need to stop yep. taking. What can I give? And then sometimes you give too much and you're like, I need to go out for a night. Yeah. You know, I've been, yeah. I've been just saving money. Like let's, let's go splurge. Let's yep. go do it. And yep. so it's so amazing how you guys have clearly put this program together. And what I think is so important and what I'm hoping to achieve for you guys because of the value you've given me is everybody needs to go through a program like this mm. and work with a company like the purpose company, because you need to identify your purpose so you can be not only fulfilled emotionally, spiritually, and financially, but also have that roadmap. Mm. If you don't know where you're going and what you're yeah. working towards, how do you know if you're making any progress? Yeah. Clear. I mean, I'm big on core values and I'm big on setting goals and goals can only be set if you really understand how they fit towards that purpose. And it's been great for me because I'm changing my focus and it's gone over the last few years away from just dollars and cents. Mm -hmm. I know that that doesn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't chase money. I don't care about the money. I'd rather lead with value and do other things now. Cause I think to your point, I'm best served to help everyone else figure out. And that's the purpose of the show, the success formula. Yeah. I believe success is truly formulaic. Sure. And I think you guys are successful because you have a clear formula mm -hmm. and you are clearly following it. Mm. And helping others understand what that formula is. And purpose is such a critical component of it. And is there other definitions that you find people use for purpose, but they are the same? I mean, you see, I mean, classic definition of purpose is like reason for being. Mm -hmm. Sometimes purpose gets confused with why. Sometimes purpose gets confused with passion. That's a really interesting one, right? Passion, we love this. The second dictionary definition yeah. for passion, Oxford Dictionary, I think, is barely controllable emotion. <laughs> so when you hear people talking about, I'm passionate about such and such, or I'm passionate about this, therefore I'm going to go do this, they're essentially saying, I have this barely controllable emotion towards this thing. I that That's probably what I'm supposed mm -hmm. to do with my life. But what if they suck at it? Not just like... Or what if it's not good for them? Right. Or what if it's not good for other people? And I think, I know we're talking about entrepreneurship, but this is or the Or what case. if it's just a hobby interest? It, exactly. And so a lot of people are like, oh, I'm passionate about and fill in the blank. And usually the way that we here in America talk about passion is very much uh, a preference. Mm. It's things that I like to do, or it's, it's a hobby-like interest. And so, mm. so many times you hear people say, turn your passion to a paycheck. And so Brian and I will be like, oh, so you're going to turn your barely controllable emotion to a paycheck? That sounds awesome, right? Like, no, it sounds like like you have a problem and that you should probably <laughs> see some help. We're like, oh, yeah, you know, um, you know, I, I don't have what, what's the other one? Like, I don't need a, a, an alarm clock. My passion, my barely controllable emotion wakes me up. Like getting back to the core of passion is great. Passion can is like the fuel, but purpose Part is the vehicle. And passion comes too. I mean, when you're starting out, you're not really that passionate about the 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 real part of starting a business, but ultimately you then do because I realize doing back end stuff or reviewing stuff or working with my team on really nitty gritty things, I'm not passionate about it, but I'm passionate about that work because I know the real impact. I know what's on the other side. I know what it is that I'm I'm moving towards. And we don't want passion to be an emotion. The way we frame it is to think about passion as the problem in the world you want to solve. Think about it that way. Because if we're talking about entrepreneurship or even thinking like an entrepreneur in a career field, mm -hmm. think about passion as the problem in the world you want to solve or the problem in the world you want to be a part of solving. Because mm -hmm. some of us are maybe building things that are solving big macro problems and some of us are contributing to a part of a big macro problem. But don't look at it like an emotion because our emotions can really throw us off. I mean, how many times have you just emotionally done something? Bought a car? Mm -hmm bought a handbag. It was completely got emotional. Married. Got, <laughs> got married in Vegas, that kind of thing. Um, we don't want passion to be our North Star, but it is part of it. It's mm -hmm. part of the equation, but it's not the whole equation. But what advice or how would you coach someone who says, what I'm good at, I don't enjoy. And that's mm -hmm. why they, they're not happy serving the best version of themselves to the, the best that they can offer to serve others yeah. is in something that they don't 
actually like? Oh, man, that's such a big one. So part of what we help people with is helping them identify how we help people find their purposes. We break it down into four things. So we have a formula for it. And so it really protects against that. So the first thing that we find out is what we call natural advantage. What's the thing you're naturally good at? How do you naturally solve problems for people? So there's a whole assessment. But say, um, like for you, you're a builder. That means you like coming in, building stuff, and then kind of moving on to the next thing. Well, if you don't know that you're a builder, you're going to be in a position maybe like a teacher, which a lot of people come to me and they say, oh, I'm a teacher because it sounds really good, right? Like, I love teaching people. Well, but if you're really a builder and you're in a position where you're a teacher, you're going to be unfulfilled because you're like, I don't want to stick around to make sure that they learned it. I want to move on to the next thing and find that fulfillment. So that's step number one. Step number two is very much to your point, what we call acquired skills. Those are the skills that you've developed through education or experience. So if you're an eye surgeon or whether you are an accountant or whether you're a politician, you have specific skills that you now have that you get to choose how you want to deploy them. This is the coolest thing about the economy that we're in. And we talk so much um, in our in our company about cousin industries. So say you have, and you're so good at this in your own career, I'm really good at this one thing. What are the skills I've learned that I can pivot and go to another industry? A lot of times people say, I don't like what it is that I do, but they're really saying, I don't like my job. I don't like my mm-hmm. boss. I don't like my industry. And so how do you take those skills and then pivot to another industry? The other two are what we call pull passion, like Brian was saying, problem in the, in the world you want to solve. You can take those skills, those ninja skills that you have that you've developed through education experience years on the job. And when you're, when you're pursuing something that you're passionate about and that's aligned with your purpose, really cool stuff happens. And the final one, and that's the one that Brian's like, the beast stack, because everyone just ends up crying, is uh, origin story. He's like, I've seen more <laughs> men cry around Brian than any than anyone that I know. But That's why but, we sat him over there. But yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah. I know he's got this, like, got a hold fair, yeah. this yeah. fairy dust. Um, but, but origin story is so powerful because it's the moment that most impacted your life. It's how you make decisions. It's those, those influential components that you realize, wow, I have been running from something because I had maybe a rejection in my life mm-hmm. or maybe I had a trauma in my life or maybe I had this betrayal that I can't seem to get over. And, um, and people say it's like 15 years of therapy and like 30 minutes or something. I mean, he's kind of like the guru on it. But when you, it's not all of these things in a silo. I think that's the big challenge when people try to find their purpose is they think it's just one thing. But that's why we came up with a formula where like there are all these elements of stuff that you can do for others, problems that you want to solve in the world, where you've come from, where you're going. And when you combine those four things together, like that light bulb goes off and people are like, that's what I'm here for. <clears throat> so once we've gone through that process, we've identified mm. what we believe is that purpose. Mm. What happens if that's not financially fulfilling enough? It doesn't make us enough in the yeah. paycheck side. I mean, oh, yeah. we, we choose concept of bridge income because sometimes while you're building the next big thing that is in alignment with your purpose, that does bring you fulfillment, and maybe the, the finances aren't going to come immediately, you're going to have to have some kind of bridge, in, bridge income to bridge that gap. Um, so, for example, let's say somebody wants to open a consulting practice. Well, if you know anything about closing B2B consulting deals, the, the speed to close takes time. I mean, I've had consulting deals close in a week. I've had consulting deals take 18 months to close. So there's not fast speed to close. But what that person can do is actually take on maybe three to five one-on-one coaching clients because the speed to close on that could be one phone call. And they may not enjoy the one-on-one coaching environment, but it may be a good way for them to not only test their ideas, their research and theory that they would apply in B2B consulting, but it's a way for them to make money quickly And then once the coaching deals are over, they can move on to the B2B consulting once the pipeline's warmed up. I mean, it's interesting because in the beginning of entrepreneurship, what's business problem number one? Starting the business. Starting the business. And and then the first thing we have to attack is monetization. But we can't always stay there because then after that, we have to make ourselves more known because we need more leads to come into the thing that we've figured out how to monetize. Um, But that is business problem number one. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the idea that you have is not going to monetize immediately. I mean, I think if you have a software idea. Yeah, you, you're going to lose a lot of money time, for a long right? time. Yeah. Build time. And, you know, I've actually seen, I worked with a um, somebody who's now a, kind of a venture capitalist, and, and he sold his first company for $240 million when he was 29 years old. And the way he backed into that, it was a software. It was sold to a big tech firm. The way that he worked into that is he actually started as a consultant. And then the consulting revealed the opportunity. 
but there was monetization from the consulting, which allowed him to fund the software build that he ultimately sold. So it's about getting creative. It's more like a chess game. It's not an overnight. It's not a one move. I've got this idea. It's going to monetize immediately. Sometimes we have to work ourselves there creatively, but that pursuit is worth it. And that short-term sacrifice of doing something that you don't totally love doing, maybe it's because it's the delivery vehicle. It's kind of interesting, right? We talk about skills. I'm really good at something, but I don't like it. I mean, unpacking something like that is actually very important. Mm. It may not be the skill you don't like. It may be who you're working for. It may be who you're serving with that skill set. It may be that you've never actually felt gratitude before, and it's just about money, and nobody's ever shown you that you can actually work for something beyond just money. Um, so teaching people to, to creatively get to the monetization part is actually something we really enjoy. As an entrepreneur, I know how meaningful it is to invest in the people and causes that are close to me. And on GoFundMe, it's easy, safe, and powerful to do just that. Whether you're supporting a family member, friend, local business, or charity. And whenever you make a donation, you're protected by the GoFundMe giving guarantee. Visit GoFundMe.com today to help make a positive difference in your community. Hey, fitness fans, ready to crush your fitness goals? Make your move to EOS Fitness, where becoming a member starts at just $9.99 a month. Gyms are open 24-7 and packed with the latest gym equipment to keep your workouts fresh. What are you waiting for? Give them a call, drop by, or hit up jefffenster.com forward slash EOS to join. EOS Fitness, better gym, better price. Now, let's get after those goals. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and that's from my experience just being around so many companies and entrepreneurs and people who want to be entrepreneurs and, mm. you know, I call them entrepreneurs because they want to do it, but they're yeah. just not there. Yeah. It is a lot of fear, like you said. It is fear making that decision to either sit on the sidelines or um, recognition that what they think they're really good at can't be monetized. Yeah. And they make too much money. And so I think the fear for a lot of people is they'll get trapped mm -hmm. because I don't love sales. I'm pretty good at it. And at ADP, I was really good at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I felt myself trapped for a minute where it's like, if I stay here and that's why I quit. So I did the opposite of, of what I think a lot of people would have done that situation. I quit a six figure job, making too much money, working three days a week golfing yeah. and having the greatest life work balance ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I didn't want to be doing that forever. Yeah. And I knew that I was so good at it that if I stayed, I was going to be there forever. Mm. Yeah. Now I figured out I could sell other things and I didn't like the transactional sale. I liked the relationship-based selling and I was doing transactional-based selling. Sell you something, never see you again. Yeah. And for me, that was where I developed my relationship capital mindset of no, 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 lifelong. Yeah. But how do we help everybody get to that? Because if mm. you're an accountant or a controller at a big company, you're probably pretty good at math. Mm -hmm. You're probably pretty good at spreadsheets and understanding how all the P&Ls work and, you know, AP and AR and all those those fundamentals. One of my best friends is an accountant. Mm. He's not like, woo, yeah. math, <laughs> accountant, let's go. Saturday, come over, let's play with spreadsheets. Yeah. Only Eric in the control room does that. <laughs> um, he's not there. But <laughs> how would you help them when their purpose in their mind. And I think that's actually what I keep coming back to is I think we have the wrong definition of purpose. Mm -hmm. If everyone used your definition of purpose and you guys should actually write to Oxford Dictionary and help them reshape that <laughs> definition. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, what a win if we could get it. Uh, when, when we get that, oh, that's yeah. right. that should be our new goal. Yes. A new definition of purpose. Because I think the, the definition Oxford of purpose, I don't know what it is in the dictionary. So yeah. I'm reason for being. Reason for being, yeah. Usually okay. that's, that's kind of the average definition. Reason for being. It's really inspiring. <laughs> yeah. So my reason for being like that seems so grand mm. that any fundamental profession that mm. you and I, oh, I'm a lawyer because that's my reason for being. I just don't see that. Yep. I mean, maybe doctor because you're helping others, but mm. how does how does a, a, a salesperson say, hey, my reason for being is to sell you something? Yep. That's interesting because I've, I've worked with uh, former NFL players or NFL players that have gotten cut or yeah. um, only got a little bit of time in the NFL so they didn't really get to monetize it all that well. The money, what you know. So they got cut. Well, the NFL stands for not for so, long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's a, that's, I've never heard that before. I that's like that funny. one. Um, and what's interesting is they'll tell me in the aftermath, my purpose was to be a football player. Yeah. Your purpose isn't a job. 
It's not a role. It's a collection of things that you have to give to others. Because if you make your purpose about a certain job, what if you get fired? What if you get cut? What if you're a surgeon and you get in a woodworking accident? So does that mean you don't have a purpose the rest of your life? Or if you decide right. to stay home with your kids. I mean, yeah. that's a big part of it. Yep. Or your job is eliminated because, and again, I think it, it in this era, we attach our purpose to our job so mm-hmm. much versus how it is that we serve others. So when you remove your purpose from the platform of the position and say, this is what I'm using right now to serve other people, I think it frees you up to enjoy it that much more. Because every time I look at anything, I'm looking at how do I solve problems? Mm. Because really, the economy is all about solving problems. The barista is solving a problem. The president is solving a problem. Um, accountants, you know, uh, real estate agents, everyone is solving a problem for other people. So if you look at how do I uniquely solve problems? So for example, we have a lot of we have a lot of real estate agents that are in our program, and so they'll come in and they're like, "Okay, great. I don't really love the sale, right?" Because one of the natural advantage questions that we ask is kind of that component of, do you like the transaction piece of it? If you do, you're what we call a recruiter. If you're not, there's a couple other options. So how do you sell is one of them. But it's also too, what kind of problems are you solving for them? Is the problem that you're solving that they, you know, moved to Southern California because they just got a divorce and they're wanting to start over? Well, now you're using your origin story to then create a soft landing place and creating a a sense of peace for someone because you never experienced peace. Or if you're an accountant, maybe you're not super jazzed about hanging out in Excel all the time, like, hey, oh, I totally get that. But if you see as an accountant, you're a teacher, and what really gets you excited is teaching other people why these numbers are really important. Teaching other people on your team, mentoring other people on your team. So you're like, hey, this itself isn't that fun, but if I can teach other people what it is I'm doing, maybe I'll create a program for it. Maybe I'll go in and, and, and I'll teach on, on stage. Maybe I'll be a professor. So if what you're doing has a reason for for why it is that that's fulfilling for you, there's you're running to something, mm-hmm. it creates so much more motivation to do the thing itself rather than just getting frustrated that it's not 100% purpose 100% of the time. Look at I look at it this way. Look at the look for the transformation beyond the transaction. Go deeper than the transaction. Ooh. Good. So what is the Excel spreadsheet about? Okay, we don't like Excel spreadsheets, but they, they do serve a purpose beyond that. I, we have a mentor in our life that every time we share a goal with him, he immediately asks us to, to what, what end. end. Yeah. So because usually he's taking us beyond the transactional part of it. So you're saying like goal would be. Okay, I want to make uh, $100 million or whatever. Somebody throws out a goal yeah. like that. And then his question will be to what end? So look for the transformation beyond the transaction. What will that enable you to do? Will that enable you to serve someone, transform somebody's life? It's a it, real estate. Industry, real estate's very interesting. Yeah. You know, what if somebody is moving to a, lo- a location because they just got out of a tough marriage, went through a divorce, mm-hmm. and it's not about the house. It's not about the 6% commission. It's, it's this person landing in a place so they can heal. See, that's mm-hmm. the transformation mm-hmm. beyond the transaction. And if you kind of tune your brain to that, because most people don't think that way. The world has taught us, do this set of things. Even if you're an entrepreneur, make this set of money. Hopefully it's a lot. But what if we started to tune our focus on the transformation? Mm. What's beyond that transactional part? Mm -hmm. And then start to focus on just observing people. I mean, have you ever just kind of watched people that you've helped before? Sure. Watch their life change, watch their career change, watch them make more money. Um, I call them fulfillment hangovers. Mm-hmm. I'm are. like, I can't. I can't handle one more person texting me, calling me, emailing me. Of course, I'm kidding. But like, you changed my life. I'm going to send you an email every day now. Like, do. do it. It's it's a crazy experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Brian, Brian can handle it. Yeah, I don't want tears. <laughs> I know. That's true. He's he's definitely it. But it's I when you make that connection and you see, because I did this thing, and usually what are the most fulfilling days that we've had? It's when you solved a really hard problem. The most fulfilling days, that's one of my favorite questions. And if I ever just kind of sat down with any of your listeners and you're like, help me find my purpose. Well, one of the first things I'd say is, tell me about your most fulfilling day at work. Who were you helping? What problem did you solve? Why was it difficult? How did you come up with a solution? And how were you recognized for solving that problem? Really important. Once they do that, a lot of times I'll just like take, like I did this on my keynote um, yesterday that I just did with these young young leaders. And I, I broke it all down. And I said, here are the core elements that must be in place for you to find fulfillment at work. They just looked at me like, oh my, it's that simple? I'm like, it's that simple. It's a formula. Once you figure out what was that most fulfilled day, you can replicate mm-hmm. it every single day if you really want to. What you're saying is so accurate because 
and I'm going to put myself in a lot of listeners' position, but when I was younger in my, in my early 20s, and I was given similar advice from my mentor, and it was for like helping others, yada, 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 yada. And I said, no, 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 I'm broke. It's money, 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 money. <laughs> and to this day, the number one favorite thing I get or do is when somebody who I have impacted in some way sends me a note, sure. and I make zero dollars from it, and they say, I got this from something you did and look, mm. and I get to see their wins. And I go home just alive. Absolutely. And when I started Everbowl and I'd come home, when I work in the store, in the restaurant, serving customers acai yeah. bowls and hanging out with them was my best days. Yep. Yeah. And I lived and died with Yelp reviews because when somebody had a negative one, I didn't care that they were never coming back and I wasn't going to get their eight bucks. Yeah. I cared because they were genuinely upset. And I would sit there and respond to every single one. And so fast forward now, and that's kind of why my purpose has shifted. One of the reasons for the show is to help other people because sure. it's actually the only one that makes you feel good later. Mm -hmm. More money in the bank account just doesn't do it. Yep. And so it's hard when you don't have money because we live in America. Mm -hmm. It's a yeah. capitalistic society. We have to solve that problem. We are yep. a consumer-driven economy. Mm -hmm. We buy stuff. We all want stuff. We all mm -hmm. see everyone else driving fancy cars or taking pictures by them, flying in <laughs> private jets or yeah. taking yeah. pictures by them. And doing all this stuff, and we all see the highlight reels. And so we always feel, like you said, mm. comparison. We're comparing ourselves saying, I want, I want, I want. But the fulfillment doesn't happen from the financial side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I challenge everyone to really focus on this, regardless of where your economic position is, is because I've lived it. Mm -hmm. And I'm an example of it and a client. Yeah. And I'm saying, like, from personal experience, and a lot of the most successful people that I'm, that I'm proud to call my friends – financially successful, some of them are not successful humans because they're not happy. Yeah. yeah. There are a ton of unhappy millionaires and billionaires. Mm -hmm. There are a ton of very happy lower income, low income, sure. middle income families mm -hmm. because they're living in their purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it is so critical that we get to the point where if we think money is that target, mm -hmm. fine, make that money. But while you're doing that, identify that purpose and use the money as the the bridge income. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this is something Brian and I have actually talked about because growing up, we, um, we didn't come from money. I mean, we both had some pretty difficult financial times. I mean, my parents, you know, struggled through a bankruptcy. We lost our house. I remember standing, um, I going to college, it was my second semester walking into campus and they said, Hey, you haven't paid any of your bills. You got to leave. So I remember for, for me, when people say it's not about money, it's easy when you already have money. Right. Mm -hmm. And so Brian and I have talked about that a lot because we had so many mentors say it's not about the money because they were on the other side of their money making. And we're like, it's easy for you to say, right. There's, there's this kind of chip on your shoulder of, well, it's easy for you to say now. So what, what, what could you have said to yourself then to say, Hey Jeff, it's not about the money. Here's what you need. What would you have believed? If I can go back. Yes. Well, I would answer that with when you will ask, Anybody, and 99.9% .9 of society, if you win the $100 million lottery, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. The first thing everybody says, I'm going to buy my parents, my friends, I'm, gonna, I'm going to give. Yeah. It's the first thing everyone says. I'm going to give my kids money, I'm going to give my parents, I'm going to buy them a house. Yeah. I'm going to hook up all my buddies and we're going to, it's never, I'm going to go buy the 27 yachts and six yeah. planes and screw everybody else and I'm going to live in my in, in my money like, you know, Scrooge in yeah. the, in the in swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. swimming in it. Yeah. Swimming in it. So, Fundamentally, we That's all... That's a great gift, by the way. I use that one all the time. That's a fun gift. It is. Yeah. It yeah. is. Um, but we all want to give, yeah. meaning that is what truly is fulfilling. We mm -hmm. get... Most people who, you know, minus the 0.1%, we get happiness from others. We sure. also are a community-driven society and, and human beings. We're, we're, we're not meant to be solo. Mm -hmm. So if I could go back to myself, knowing what I know now is, I would say, remember that. Mm -hmm. And remember that money is to what end. It's a means... You know, I call them, I, I think of money as options. Yeah. Having sure. resources gives me options. That's all. Yeah. But it doesn't give me happiness. Sure. It may, might make finding my happiness a little easier because mm -hmm. not having money is difficult. And the, one of the worst days in, in my adulthood was when I had to borrow money from my father-in-law so mm -hmm. I could pay my own mortgage. Yeah. That was tough. Sure. I had to swallow a lot of pride that day. And I couldn't go to my parents because I had already borrowed money from them. And it was one of those moments. Sure. And asking your father-in-law as a as a guy is that's a that's, that's a pride swallower. That's a tough one. 
And I remember that day thinking, this is the last time I'm doing this. Right. So it became much more money driven. But to what end? If I can go back, I just remind myself like the money is just, it's just options. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not what we're chasing. If we yeah. do good, if we help others, it's amazing. Once you change the pivot, I used to chase money, it ran. Mm-hmm. And then I realized by chasing anything, it runs. Yeah. So start attracting money, right. attract relationships, attract money, attract happiness mm-hmm. by doing the things that fulfill, fulfill me, mm-hmm. what I'm good at, how right. I can help others. And so what I'm working on now is, is how do I amplify that? How do I do more mm-hmm. of the things that make me feel good? Because I do believe in, I don't know if you guys agree, but everything is selfish that we do. And I don't know if you've seen this, that, that whole thing, but even when I help my kid, it's selfish. It makes me feel good. Yeah. If it didn't make me feel good, I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't do it as much. Yeah, of course. So there is no real selfless act, but mm-hmm. you can be selfish to be selfless. And um, I, I mentioned this a few times, but one of, my, one of my early mentors, David Meltzer, used to have this saying, and it was, help a lot of people have a lot of fun and make a lot of money in that order. And I was a teenager, and I got behind that. And then he switched it to make a lot of money, help a lot of people have a lot of fun in that order. And I'm like, that just felt icky. <laughs> you know, why'd you do that? And he said, because if I don't make enough money, I can't help enough people. Sure. Yeah. And I have to take care of myself. And, and so the analogy I now use a lot is the airplane one. Mm-hmm. You know, when the little yellow things, put yeah. your mask oh, on sure. before you help everyone yeah. else. Because yeah. if you don't fulfill and take care of you, yeah. how can you, you take care yeah, of others? You don't have anything else to give. And, but I think to your point, though, and this is why just acknowledging you is so important, because we meet so many folks who come in and they say, I want a podcast. Mm-hmm. I want a YouTube channel. I want you know, the, the brand, I want the show, which is great, but have they done the things to get there? Because once you have the platform, what are you going to say when you get there? Because I think a lot of times we see out in the world on social media, et cetera, people are like just saying a lot of the same things over and over again, but they haven't actually put something in the box that they can create a platform and actually help people with. And so what you're doing right now in real time is saying, Hey, I'm at the top of this mountain. Let me share with you how I got here. And a lot of people want to just go to the top of mountain, but they don't have anything to say. And I'm telling you because I've tried. <laughs> I had podcasts. I had a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. I did all the things. And that's why when people are like, why don't you have a podcast? And like, because I'm, I want to know when we're at the top of whatever mountain it is, whatever it is that I'm teaching is here's how we did it. Here's what we did. Here's the step by step. So I just want to acknowledge you for, for doing it right. Because most people start with brand first, but we kind of teach it in five steps. Brand is the final thing that you get to um, once you've earned the right to then share with other people. Because unless you've actually built it and experienced it, then you don't have the DNA to say, no, don't do it that way. Take a left here. Wait a little bit longer. Um, Yes, it normally takes this much. That tried and true experience, when you're able to package it in something like a show like this, that's when the fulfillment amplifies. Well, thank you. I appreciate appreciate that. But I mean, for me, it, it is that. It's it's amplif- because it's checking those milestones. It's mm-hmm. personal, right? As we're going through, yeah. we're having a little, little session here on, on the show, but as we're going through me helping to identify my purpose, I know that I have a unique background of mentors that have helped me get to where I am today. I am not here on my own two feet solo, like, oh yeah, self-made. Sure. It's just not yeah. true. Yeah. It's not true Do at all. You, like, does it make your like make you bristle when people say self-made? A like it bit. does for yeah, us. Yeah. When people like, go self-made, yeah. I'm like, there's no such thing. Yeah, it's just to me, that's just ego. It's arrogance. It, it's arrogance. It's, it's arrogant. ego. Yeah. If you think you're self-made, well, great. Let me know how that do you have a mom and dad? You weren't self-made. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Let's just start right there. Yeah. And people had tough, tough upbringings and have yeah. come from nothing and built themselves into incredible representations of themselves and it might be actually that they were the negatives that they think weren't there to help them is actually what shaped them i mean a diamond is not made on the beach right it's not made in the sunshine with your feet up so heat depth and pressure correct pressure is required yeah and like we were talking about i think before the show the forrest gump when he's out there in the ocean a skilled sailor is has to battle the waves and so sometimes the fact that you came from nothing and no one was there to help you, air quotes, in the way that we traditionally think help, yeah. that's actually what helped you the most. Because mm-hmm. the most unsuccessful group of people are the children of really successful people. Yeah, man, we talk most about that all the time. All yep. the time. All the that time. is the largest is. tranche of unsuccessful human beings are people that are, are trust fund kids. Yep. yep. They've never had to work for anything. They've never had to have any work ethic. They have had no reason to identify and find their purpose. So they amount to the least amount. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like some proven stat that the, 
if super wealthy families, it goes, they go broke two yeah. or three generations right, yeah. later. Yeah. And uh, I think that I might butcher the same. It's like hard times create mm -hmm. good. Hard, hard people, soft times create soft people. Correct. And so it's a cyclical thing. Mm -hmm. And so when I hear self-made, it's usually, yeah, you know, my parents had no money. I came from nothing and I didn't have a college degree and I didn't have any mentors and I kept getting my face kicked in. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. That yeah. made you. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. don't complain about yeah. it. No, you're gift. lucky. Correct. It's a gift. That it, pressure is a gift. It's a gift. Yeah. And you need pressure. And when you do have all the resources and you do have that opportunity, most people don't listen to them. Mm -hmm. I didn't come from a super wealthy family. I came from middle class. Mm -hmm. We had plenty of money. I never had to worry about any of my issues. I, yep. I had a very easy childhood. Uh, middle class family, nice suburban community, little league, soccer, yeah. good friends. Didn't have to worry about how I was going to get home, beaten up or any of those things. So did a lot of my peers. And we all have to now find our own pressure. We had to find our own path in that in that avenue, people from tougher neighborhoods had it harder to start, but they also had the pressure. And yeah. my super wealthy trust fund friends, a lot of them are still just trust fund kids that are unhappy because yeah. they have not identified their purpose. And the idea of looking at how do I go back and build those habits, those traits, mm -hmm. those success wow. formulaic pieces yeah. that we talk about on the show, that's what we're trying to help deliver. And I love that you guys use a formula as well, because mm -hmm. I I'll, I'll, I'll say this to the day I die. Success is a formula. Right. Yeah. You don't have to be born with anything. You have to identify the formula, figure out what pieces you need to work on and work relentlessly towards those things. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So for, for the people listening right now, I'm, sh I'm sure they, you guys have learned a lot and probably want to get involved and find a, identify your purpose, work towards your mm -hmm. purpose. Obviously you need to reach out to Brian and Gab, the purpose company. That goes without saying. Um, hit them up, email, Instagram. Yep. Any other? Cool yeah, methods? so probably the fastest way. We have a private group called Seven Figure Purpose. So you just go to the number sevenfigurepurpose.com. That's probably the best. Or you can even just, we've got a free checklist. So you can mm -hmm. text the word purpose to 33777. Purpose to 33777. And I can, I am going to personally endorse this because I'm, I'm a paying customer. So they don't pay me. I pay them and I'm telling you, and I don't make any money when you join them, but you will be better. You will get your purpose more. You will more clearly get defined what your purpose is. You will be more fulfilled. You will make more money. You will have more uh, happiness. Um, and then you can reach out and you can thank them because mm -hmm. that's what they're doing and that's their purpose. And I want to hear about it as well. After you guys have achieved that, I want to I hear how hopefully something from this show helped inspire somebody mm -hmm. to identify your purpose and work towards it. What's the last piece of advice you give to someone? Maybe they don't have the resources. They're like, listen, yeah. I'm working at a job. I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't have the funds yet. I'm not happy. I don't know what I'm great at. What's something they can do, like a micro goal that will get them a little bit ahead? Mm. Yeah, they could pick up one. a copy of our book, The Purpose Factor. That's a sure. good entry. If you can't afford it, yeah. reach out to me and I'll yeah. buy it for yeah. you. Yeah. Get a copy of the book uh, because that's going to give you clarity on what you have. The goal, look, all of personal development is about making better decisions. So when you get a mentor, they help you make better decisions. When you read a book, that helps you make better decisions. When you buy a program or some kind of course or certification, it's to help you make better decisions. Why do we need to make better decisions? Because we want to compress time. Because time is the resource we don't get back. We can replenish money, but we can't replenish time. And so any of your time that you spend improving yourself or the money you invest, spending to improve yourself. Focus it on making better decisions because making better decisions compresses time and it multiplies the impact of your time. There's one other thing I would say is when I talk to somebody about business partnerships, or I'm thinking about getting into a business partnership with this person or I'm thinking about marrying this person or I'm thinking about um, creating this company. If there's one piece of general advice I always give people, it's deal with your patterns. Deal with your patterns. Because the patterns you got on the come up in your growing up years, some of them serve you and some of them don't. And we've got to eliminate the ones that don't and magnify the mm -hmm. ones that do. And so if you're just starting out, focus your spend, focus your time on making better decisions in a certain direction that's aligned with your purpose and also deal with the patterns that hold you back. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I would I would probably add on to that as well as a lot of times people want to say, well, where do I start? I don't have the degree, the white lab coat, mm-hmm. the experience, the connections. And I just want to let you know that your purpose is your permission. You don't need to wait for someone to come along and say you can, you should. You don't need to wait for someone to say this is your time because if you have that purpose inside of you, we always say breath equals purpose. If you have breath inside of your lungs, you have a purpose on yep. this planet. And so if you're really looking at where do I start, look at what have I overcome that I can help someone else overcome. How can I create craft help, even if it's something as simple as, hey, this is how it is that I was able to to, to get this job. Here I was able to solve this problem. Here's how I was able to say I'm sorry to my mom or to my, to my partner. If you can then find I've overcome something myself, I now have not only the ability, but I believe the responsibility to then hand it over and help someone else with it. Once you start to see those fulfillment transactions come through, your confidence is going mm-hmm. to start boost and realize, wow, my purpose has been there all along. I just need to start good. to really tap into it. I mean, it's it's so good what you guys are saying. I am I learned a ton on this episode. I always have coaches. They're my coaches in this area. Um, I don't care what level of success you have. LeBron James has a coach. And just always remember that successful people have coaches. So as you're trying to become more successful – Surround yourself with mentors and coaches. And as Brian said, yes, there might be a capital investment, but you're compressing time and you want it yesterday. Guess what? You can invest capital to help get there by making better decisions and compress time. That's what relationship capital does as well. Who we know can open doors for us. So surround yourself with the right people. And when you hire the right coaches, they've obviously also, you get their network alongside of what they're bringing and you will improve yourself. So thank you guys for coming on the show. This has been awesome. Next time you're in San Diego, we've got to do this again. Absolutely. Absolutely. So fun. Yes. And thank you guys all for listening. And till next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you're looking to level up your relationship capital game, then take a minute and text the word Jeff to 33777 for a free copy of my Network to Millions playbook. The link will also be provided in the show notes below. See you guys next time.